1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you have been having a glorious beginning of this week. I certainly had an excellent time this weekend, celebrating the fact that I reached 200 Vox and Hops episodes last week. I am still shocked and in awe that I've already reached 200 episodes, and I am just so, so stoked about That I just had to enjoy myself this past weekend in honor of that. This is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a whole bunch of sick ass metal shows throughout the year when there isn't a global pandemic and they also host one of north america's sickest metal festivals trust me people i have played just about all of the metal festivals out there and heavy montreal is right up there with the best of them i am super stoked to have heavy montreal behind the vox and hops podcast on today's vox and hops episode i am with of dimu borgir and insidious disease this is vox and hops episode number 202 I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Silenos of Timu Borgir, also a part of Insidious Disease. Uh, how are you doing, Silenos? Uh, let's uh, start with an easy yet complex question that I've been liking to throw at people recently. How have you been coping with 2020?
0: To be honest, it hasn't been that bad apart from um, not being able to travel when I want and where I want and stuff like that. But uh, I live out on the countryside, so um, I'm pretty much away from people anyway. So from that point of view, it hasn't really been that much big of a difference, really. Mm -hmm.
1: Just spending so much time at home, is that something you enjoy? Are you uh, an introvert or an extrovert for myself? i don't mind staying home uh, it, it, it was strange not doing any summer festivals that's for darn sure but uh i had a, i enjoyed the time at home with my family honestly
0: yeah me too um i'm an extroverted introvert i guess you can say so um uh, now we had with Dimmer, we had uh just a few festivals booked for this summer so it wasn't that huge of a problem really but uh of course i really miss playing live and uh, missing my friends all over the world and uh yeah
1: absolutely it's something that we're so so lucky as musicians to have just basically like little microcosms and and families all across the globe that we've built every you know every show we make a new friend just about it's it's something very special that i cherish
0: very very true and um you know i'm sure once we get to meet uh up again it's going to be like we met like last week exactly
1: <laughs> but that's what that's what it's like for bands we tour together and then we don't see each other for two three years and then back together and it's like it's like you never left the tour bus
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
1: <laughs> uh vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives music and craft beer what beer do you have on your side there Silinos?
0: actually right now i have um I have a cider.
1: Nice, nice. What's that called? Uh
0: it's uh it's like uh I don't know if you co- call forest berries?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is that some wild berries, is that
0: it? Yeah. So it's uh yeah, it's, it's refreshing.
1: Very cool, yeah. very cool. Uh do you enjoy craft beer though?
0: I do. Um it took my while to get into uh IPAs and stuff, but uh, once I really got into it, it's um Yeah, it's really nice. You know, Uh, over the years, uh, obviously, I've learned how to moderate myself and drink less. So when I actually drink, I rather, you know, have great taste instead of the quantity of thanks
1: that is in a, a very very important lesson that everyone out there should listen to and uh drink water people you got to hydrate while you're drinking craft beer you can't just craft beer it because then you'll suffer <laughs> <True>. <laughs> i'm going to pour this out i am going to be drinking on my side here it's called conjuration it is an ipa from third moon brewing company they are uh out of Ontario, they're just killing it, killing it. Beautiful, beautiful can art, as you can see. So, I'm going to pour this out. To tell everyone, do you remember your first beer?
0: Uh, yes, it was probably Rignes, which is um, the beer that... I, at my time when I was a teenager, that was probably the first beer that uh, we got to try out, I think. Um, it's it's nothing special. Um it's good for quantity drinking I suppose but it's it's a very straight pilsner you know uh, very straightforward stuff
1: Very cool this is a uh, absolutely amazing super juicy Oh ah, looks nice uh, Yeah hop bomb just just Super smooth, uh, not over, fruity? overly fruity, yes, not overly bitter whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Third Moon nice. Brewing Company, killing it right now. So cool. And the the can art's amazing, super metal. I'm loving all these metal breweries that are popping nice, up yeah. all around the world. Uh, the artist on cool. this one is Yardwolves. so shout out to Yard Wolves. It's amazing. Uh, let's uh, right. dance a little bit uh, more into beer. Talk to me about, uh, have you ever made a beer for Demu Borgir? Is that something that happened? Or for... Insidious disease
0: well we we actually have been talking about talking with different uh, breweries over the last few years and uh trying to get something set up but um in connection with with touring and stuff uh and we had something going last year by the end of last year but um so far we haven't really uh gotten around to it properly yet, so that's something we definitely want to look more into, you know, uh, everybody else is doing it and I think it's a a good way of um, of promoting the band of course as well, plus that um, several of us in in the band and the crew drinks beer, so it's just natural, you know, a lot of metal fans drink beer, Um, so I think uh, first and foremost we were looking at at having a um, pretty straightforward Pilsner and then Hopefully an IPA uh, and maybe also a a stout type of uh, beer.
1: Very cool, very cool. Did you have any names in mind?
0: Um, Well, we've been throwing a few ideas around, but uh, I think um, this is more of the table for our bass player, Victor, because he uh, he even has his own beer. Really? um, Very cool. Electric electric Nurse. So um, he has all the contacts, you know, and he has... um, He has a finer taste buds than I do, for instance, because I'm older than him. So,
1: (laughs) 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 what do do you think about this this whole the whole craft beer buzz and everything? Is that something that interests you, or do you just prefer just a straightforward beer?
0: Well, once um, you know, uh, I'm both. Uh, basically because on tour um, after I come off stage because I never drink before I go on stage anymore Uh, I did that a couple of times back in the day and I learned from that the hard way (laughs) like everybody else does I guess so uh, I only have a beer or two or three off after show and um, usually uh, then it's good with a really cold straightforward uh, Pilsner or a lager if I want to just sit back and And relaxed, and you know, an IPA of various kinds are definitely uh, appreciated. Yeah, so uh, I'm I can drink pretty much anything apart from the really black stuff. You know, and that's I don't even drink coffee. So anything with a coffee taste for me is not really. You know I haven't gotten that old yet.
1: <laughs> wow, no coffee. I got, I got two little kids. I need need coffee <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Had, yeah, I
0: drink tea though. I uh, drink a lot of tea. So um Hopefully, that makes up for my age <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of your age let's let 's dance into the soundtrack of your youth so when you were growing up, what music was playing uh, when you were not in control of the music? what music did your parents or guardians listen to?
0: <coughs> well, we had mostly uh, just radio um, and it was the the typical stuff at the time you know I remember um, I was very little when uh, when laying next to the radio on the floor i was playing with some cars or tractors and they announced that bob marley was dead wow uh, so i remember that vividly and i think i must have been three or four years old but music for me came maybe a little bit later like in 83 84 with uh, bruce springsteen and twisted sister and Stuff like that that I suddenly saw on uh, on TV, you know. So that's when I kind of subconsciously knew that this is what I'm going to do wow. <laughs> when I get older.
1: Do you remember that first show that you went to go see, first live music experience?
0: Yeah, um, it was a local show in 87 or 88, I can't remember. But it's, it was a local band, uh kind of local, called Fury. Um, and uh, they had back then they had spent something like two thousand dollars worth on pyrotechnics Very cool. and um, remember back in eight eighties even that was a lot of money you know and uh, i think it was something between 70 and 80 people uh that had paid to see the show <laughs> so obviously it was uh, a <laughs> um huge expense there but uh it was uh it was great i remember it was extremely loud and it was like um a typical i guess you can say hard rock heavy metal band uh and the drummer uh, later on uh, went to form testimony which uh, was the band where uh, blasphemer from am also started with so there's yeah there's connections back to the the late 80s early 90s there
1: very interesting do you remember how about your first time on stage do you remember your first show ever
0: Yeah, I think it was something uh, at a youth uh, club um, and uh, I was like 13, 14 years old and I just recently started playing uh, the bass. So I played bass in that band formation back in, yeah, I think it was 91. So that was my first uh, time on stage, I guess you can say, and it was uh, nerve-wracking, of course, but uh, it was still something that I felt that, well, this is something I should you know i wasn't totally scared off by it so yeah
1: were you ready did you were, were you prepared enough for that first
0: gig uh probably not I, I don't think anybody in the band was uh was prepared for it uh earlier that summer i got uh, a phone call from a friend of mine and he said uh, well we need a bass player. can you can you come over and learn a few songs really quick and i was like well i haven't really played bass before well we will just show you and uh so I think the first few songs I did was um, I think it was Priest Living After Midnight uh, Enter Sandman with Metallica um, and a couple of rock and roll songs. John Be Good for sure. You know you just play the strings. You know A D and E and uh, yeah stuff like that. So it was a really short show, but it was it was fun. You know, and I managed to to learn some stuff on the on the go
1: very cool very very cool um, Cryptopsy and Dimo Borgir actually toured together uh, sadly I, yes. I was not in the band do you have any memories of that tour something that uh, an anecdote that you could share about your time with Cryptopsy
0: well I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't be <laughs> told on the ether but <laughs> no as far as I remember it was um, it was a really great tour uh, great turnout old bands were pro Every every show was almost flawless, you know. There was, uh, of course, the usual technical stuff here and there, but it was uh, for me, it was a great package personally because you know I'm I've always been into death metal, so yeah, no, I I have uh, only positive memories as far as I can tell. So I can't really pinpoint any any specific moment, but uh, I remember that you know uh, every time we were toured. Uh, North America and we played with mostly death metal bands I guess I can say so it's always been really um, impressive to see how you guys have conducted yourself on stage when it comes to being technical and and professional and all that stuff you know that's something that bands from from Europe maybe has something to learn from (laughs) or maybe have learned from since but you know uh, I always was impressed by by how instrumental uh, the, the North American death metal bands were, you know.
1: Very cool. Um, being from Montreal, uh, I'd like to talk about Montreal a little bit. This is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. Um, do you have any memories of your first time playing Montreal?
0: Yes, we played the the medley in uh, 99, I think it was the first time to, uh, to Montreal in Canada. And uh, It was a really, really hot show. It was uh, sold out, as far as I remember, and um, we've only played one show in North America before then, so uh, it was great to come to Canada. And uh, to be honest, every every time since then, Canada uh, has always been a place where I really loved playing and touring. Um, And Montreal has always been, ever since that time, has always been a great place for us to play. Very uh, cool. so hopefully we can come back sooner than later
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone wants <laughs> to get out there and we'll be we'll be waiting for you with open arms Good. <laughs> <laughs> <Again. laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, insidious disease you guys got a new record coming out uh after death on october 30th via nuclear blast so so Talk to me about this record. Uh, it was uh, sort of a long time in the making. Uh,
0: I guess you can say that, at least from uh, from the outside, it looks like it took uh, a long while, but um, uh, we didn't really have a deadline for the album. Uh, and after, things didn't really work out properly uh, with the first record, because um, we were set to tour quite a bit. And then, uh, obviously, I got busy again with Dimo in 2011, 2010. Um, and the other guys have main... Uh, bands, as well, so uh we had quite a few things set up, but um it just didn't work out for some reason and then uh so ever since two thousand and eleven we started just working on and off uh songs and uh we recorded and everything in two thousand and seventeen did everything then, so the album has wow. actually been ready for a couple of years already, you know uh so it's not like we have worked on the songs uh, for uh, six, seven years. It's been more like on and off. And uh, obviously when you don't have a deadline for, for an album release, uh, it could be tricky because you, when, when you feel like you're done with a song, it's tempting to go back and fix things. Or when you're listening to it so much that you get tired of it, it's like, nah, let's change this or this or this. But... You know, uh, we we made the decision that once once we felt the song was done, we just put it on the shelf, moved to the next one, and then, you know. So after we were done mastering the album in uh, in 2017, we have hardly really listened to it. Wow. You know, so doing press and interviews about this album, I was like, oh, what was that about again? <laughs> you know, it's like. But it's it feels good to finally have it out and. um Now it just sucks that this this situation in 2020 has been fucking up things for for all of us, you know, Uh, but we're really determined to... Uh, to really push forward when uh, when we can with this album, for sure.
1: Very cool, very cool. And of course, you know, Shane is in the band. He's in every band, just about. <laughs> He's a <laughs> just very, about, yeah. very busy individual. Uh, what was it like writing music with him? What was it like writing this record? Uh, are you guys that actually jam together, or is it all happening on your own sides, and you're trading files? Uh, take me to that, please
0: it's It's more more like trading files obviously because we're all located in in different countries Mark is in berlin um is in florida and uh, and Shane is in birmingham so it's uh it's a lot easier to to send files back and forth um but before we record and before we play shows and stuff obviously we come together and rehearse and then I think that's something that I, I miss the most about uh, this band because uh, I like to rehearse as a band, you know? And But since we're all so busy, you know, it's like uh, we only meet when when we have on a short notice, you know, so. Um, but for this uh, next time around when we're going to play live, I, I would like like us to uh, to play more together and maybe also uh, run ideas for each other while we are five people in, in the rehearsal place, you know, like in the old days, so
1: yeah yeah and it must be i can i can only imagine how hard it was to wait three years to release a record i know for myself you know you put so much into an album all the time to have it just sit there it must have been excruciatingly painful
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is you know um but then again uh, we were thinking like well for us it maybe is old news but for everybody else it's going to be new anyway so we were thinking if uh, it got delayed a couple of times and then uh, we were thinking like, well, another two or three months for us is not going to really make a difference because it's going to be new for, for people once it comes out. So, uh, And we already played a few shows uh, several years ago where we played uh, some of these songs live already. So um, 2018, I think it was, we played uh, Wacken, Open Air. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's cool to actually try out the songs live before they come on record because that's how bands did it in the old days. Before they had the record out, they were like trying the songs out live, you know. But uh, in 2018, it would be too late anyway because we already recorded the album. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: How about... um for this record releasing it during a pandemic how what what is your approach to that how do you feel about it you mentioned earlier that it's difficult not being able to tour it uh, how are you guys planning to promote this record
0: well right now we're doing uh, as much as we can when it comes to uh interviews and press and all that stuff uh, we have a video done just recently uh that we finished and so i guess we'll have to just sit back and wait and see but once things are opening up again we're gonna definitely uh, do everything in our power to to be able to bring it out you know and tour as much as we can basically
1: very cool if you could handpick a release tour lineup what bands would be on that bill
0: Ooh, uh, you mean as in any genre or
1: oh Any like a, a bill like of bands that would really promote the album perfectly
0: for this Insidious album, um, yeah, we would, we would definitely need Crisian on there, oh, fuck yeah. uh, I think. <laughs> and why not you guys again, you know, uh, that'll be awesome. Um, uh, I would love to have Sadistic Intent on there, uh, which is probably my favorite death metal band uh, of all time. Uh, I'm more of an old school type of guy, you know, so... Uh, i would love to have those guys on there uh and us so uh, there we have a four band bill already so uh, i think that will I be
1: it. very varied and i do strong. it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, t- t- let's talk about death metal you appreciate death metal now now you're in probably the world's biggest you know symphonic metal band. There's elements of death metal in it, but it's, you, you was had, probably had to hold yourself back from including those riffs, these ideas sometimes, because it doesn't necessarily fit the color, the, right. the, the, the vibe of Demu. So, so how hard was that for you, and is that why you started Insidious in the first place?
0: The thing with Insidious was that uh, I had... Um after ninety one, ninety two, we we started uh, a death metal constellation together, me and Yadadad, who used to play guitar for all my child. Uh, so in 2004, um, we decided to kind of um, pick up on that torch again and uh, and do it on a more professional level, I guess you can say. So that's how Insidious uh, came about. And uh, we got Tony to play drums because uh, he had recently just um uh, did us Fest for us in 2004 uh and so that was a good thing um shane i've uh, been friends with a long time and he was uh he won want, really wanted in on it and um then we just had to find someone that could uh approach the vocal in in that old school <laughs> style like we were after like you know chuck from death uh martin from pestilence and you know, uh, Jeff Becerra, that type of sh- screeching vocals, you know? So, and we got tipped by um, by my manager at that time, Karsten, who, uh, who used to play guitars in Morgoth. Uh, well, why don't you get in touch with Mark, you know? And, you know, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So that's how it all came about in 2004.
1: Very cool, very cool. But for writing riffs, your, your death metal appreciation how do you go about sorting which riffs go for which band or for which project when you are composing
0: it's fairly easy because with insidious we're tuned to a standard uh. which is uh, really low and uh, so whenever i pick up that guitar it's kind of <laughs> you know um obvious that whatever comes out that day is gonna maybe end up on uh, on a insidious, uh insidious idea but uh with Dimmu, since we tuned to D standard, um, it's more likely that if if there's a Dimmu idea that doesn't fit anywhere, I can change it around and then even just tune it lower. And if it sounds cool in a different tempo or different phrasing or whatever, then that could end up as an insidious idea. But it's very unlikely that it happens the other way around. So I feel like I'm uh, I'm pretty good at differentiating the... uh the two bands you know uh i take um inspiration from both of them and vice versa so it's like uh you know it, I, I try to play the guitar every day but not to not to necessarily practice but to you know uh, record whatever ideas that comes out you know you never know what you can use down the road so for uh for the new demo now that we just recently started the writing process for we all have Separately, we have so much uh, ideas and themes, uh, so uh, it's not going to be a, a difficulty finding material for the next album. The, the challenge will be to, to shave off what doesn't fit and then and then arrange it. So that, that's the challenging process. That's very,
1: very exciting. Uh, it's very different from Cryptopsy, where uh, Chris Donaldson, the guitarist, uh, does most of the writing. So, so if he, uh, whenever we approach a new album like we are right now, he has a lot of pressure on his back so you guys have too much right. stuff which is a- exciting how do you guys uh, <laughs> do you guys write in the same way as insidious disease Do you guys trade files or do you guys actually get in the jam room for demo
0: yeah we do that as well uh, but I think with dim since we have had the band now almost 30 years we we kind of know our places in the band and we try to uh, uh, utilize the strengths of each uh, member you know and it's primarily the three of us Shagrat, uh, Calder, and myself who writes the music but everybody else chips in on the arrangement side as well so uh, I think that's uh, a good way of, of keeping it varied and to have uh, a fresh perspective on things you know uh, but um, with Insidious it's, it's so far it's been more or less me who have done the music, but um, at the same time, I don't want people to to think of Insidious as uh, as a project. Or uh, mm. it's it's a full band, and everybody's. Uh, op- I'm open to have everybody uh, contribute at any time, and uh, and they do as well when it comes, especially on the arrangement sides. Um, uh, and Mark does uh, a lot of lyrics as well, so we do that. We arrange the vocals and lyrics together, and he has a very, uh, really old school approach to it. Because so, and like, when he wants to have a delay on his vocal, he just move backwards really? from the mic. You know, <laughs> yeah, just just funny stuff like that. But it works, you know. Um, so yeah,
1: very cool, very cool. You you also dabble in writing lyrics. I believe you write lyrics for for Dima Borgir as well. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Talk to me about writing. I am not a writer. I don't. I write lyrics for the band, but I, I'm not the type of person that actively writes. I don't. I, right. I'm just not like that. I don't ha- w- walk around with a little book, writing my notes and writing my thoughts and making poems right. and stuff. A lot of people do do that. Are you? Are you an active writer or do you write when you have uh, to?
0: Both, yes and no. Both, yes and no. Um, I have like post-it notes uh, uh, <laughs> all over the house, you know, uh, in the car. A bedroom, uh, whatever, uh, just in case there's something, a word or something that uh, I need to write down which can trigger something else. And uh, it's a really long process for me to do lyrics because it's, um, I have to kind of like pro- produce myself over several layers. Uh, and obviously, English is not my first uh, language either. So um, I have to be, do a lot of, you know, research in this, uh, in terms of grammar and how. To, to portion it, uh, the parts and stuff, and then it goes to uh, Shagrath uh, through this final grinder, so to speak, where he needs to f- uh, feel comfortable with with the words and uh, get to get to know that. And um, yeah, so it, it's it's a really lengthy process, and it's not something that I uh, take lightly either. Um, I think lyrics are. Uh, very important. Uh, obviously, the music comes first because that's what people hear first. So, uh, But I think it's uh, important to have words that can um, provoke some questions and provoke some thinking from people and, you know, to have a, like a mystique around it. Obviously, we don't want to tell people that, oh, this is what it means for me. This is what it means for him, blah, blah, blah. It's more like obviously up to the listener to make their own conclusions or whatever it's always
1: very interesting to have it that way to make it be open and in for their, each person's interpretation i agree very very interesting
0: yeah because we 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 are uh, metal musicians and uh, we shouldn't tell people what to think or do you know it's the total opposite we should you know encourage them to to do their own thing and think for themselves you know
1: mm-hmm. uh, if you could travel back in time and relive any tour one tour that you would just love to do over and over and over again because you had so much fun, what tour would that be?
0: It will probably be Ostfest two thousand four because uh not only doing like I think it was thirty-three shows where we played the the main stage with uh uh, slayer priest and black sabbath Holy and, uh, black label society and uh, super joint ritual uh <laughs> for th- i think it was 33 shows um and in between those shows we had also uh headlining shows uh throughout north america and it was like six seven weeks tour and although it was re- extremely tiring you know uh we were still young kind of and uh we had a lot of fun we learned a lot and um yeah it was it was just uh, a lot of great memories from that tour yeah
1: uh, as you've gotten older do you guys look at touring differently if you see that six-week tour schedule email come in are you like no way we're doing three weeks is, is that something that happens in Team Before gear
0: yes uh we have obviously uh, gotten older uh, most of us have kids now and um uh, it's not like it was in the early days where we could go on tour and Uh, seemingly short notice and plug in and play you know uh obviously when we never really been a plug and play band anyway but now it's it goes a lot of uh, planning into it and um we we have like set the the limit for two to three weeks at a time uh, and concentrate on on doing quality shows uh you know especially when you tour south america uh we always have a day between each show because you travel and you get off stage at two in the morning and then lobby call at five in the morning, it's not going to work. Uh, not unless you're going to do a proper show. Uh, and I think that's uh, thats what the fans deserve. We deserve to be at our best and uh, you need to be rested and flying a lot uh, during a short period of time can really wear you out. its It's not the playing on stage that wears you out. all the waiting and all all the stuff around it so well you know
1: (laughs) i i I know it all too well but we still do the we don't take the days off we still just go at it so uh i'm taking notes right now in my mind (laughs) because (laughs) well
0: obviously there's there's um there's a financial aspect to it as well which is uh something that we uh you know when you do touring like that you know that okay uh you could come home with a better paycheck if you do things uh, in a row, and you don't have days off and whatever. But at the same time, um, it's important to to keep the health as well, especially in, uh, in this day and age. So you know, it's it didn't used to be like that, and we learned from the past. I hope
1: you have to. We have to take care of ourselves, and and the, the waiting and the traveling is absolutely uh, draining. Uh, the time on stage is always like, oh yeah, this is why I'm here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's when you actually forget about uh, the mundane stuff, you know, uh, sitting at airports for hours and hours waiting. And, you know, I, I always think to myself, like, well, the, the money you get paid for this show is not when you're on stage. It's it's the time you wait at the airport or you wait at somewhere else, you know. So that's how I look it's at it. It's all the suffering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, talk about your production because you guys have a, a huge show production. Have you guys thought... Is there been discussions of doing a live stream at all? Is that something that interested uh, we, you at all? We them?
0: haven't really talked too much about it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think uh, for us to to do something after so many years, um, there, there's so much stuff that has to go into it, you know, and uh, uh, and we we've done a, f- really a couple of. F- Uh, really big shows like with orchestra and and, uh, choirs and stuff uh, so amazing which went down really well but it takes a lot of planning and preparation uh and uh we will go about it the same way uh, for an eventual live stream you know it's not like uh, uh done overnight so and um in two years uh, uh, or three years, I guess uh, we will have thirtieth anniversary. So we have been more thinking about that. You know what what to do with uh, with that. So uh, we'll see, but we'll take it as it comes, I suppose. That's very exciting.
1: Thirty years, you know, you pick up a guitar, yeah, <laughs> get in a room with a bunch of people, and now <laughs> I'm playing years this later. this
0: style of music as well. You know, yeah.
1: It's amazing it's amazing one last question um it probably never happens to you and you mentioned earlier that uh, you approach beer and alcohol in moderation now but it happens to everyone every once in a while what is your hangover cure
0: my hangover cure is actually pretty brutal i would say um i I nicknamed it uh, the progeny uh after the song progenies of the apocalypse it's uh it's a half liter glass or a half pint glass, um, fill it with ice in the bottom. I have 50-50 Jägermeister vodka uh, up until almost yeah, three quarters of the glass, tip it up with Red Bull and then uh, Fisherman's Friend Mint really? or two on top of that. <laughs> so one or two of those, if you chug those, then that that's the only thing that has worked. The
1: only thing. Whoa, I've never gotten that one, Cineas. knows, thank you so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, metal and craft beer. Everyone get ready for this new Insidious Disease record, which is dropping via Nuclear Blast. I'm going to check it out, and all of you should as well. Thank you so much, bud.
0: Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Hey,
1: thank you so, so much for listening. Right to the end, you know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat. with See, He is an absolute legend, and I am super stoked to have had the chance to sit down and pick his brain for a little bit. It was an absolute pleasure. If you have not listened to that brand new Insidious Disease record, which just came out, called After Death, which dropped via nuclear blast records, you absolutely should. It is pure death metal fun, and it is an absolute stunning display of extremity. I highly suggest it. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should absolutely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, you should go and rate it and write a review. If you do that, more people just like you will be able to discover the Vox and Hops podcast. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Soundtalent Media. I will be back with two episodes this week—one on Thursday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.